His Love Christian Fellowship is excited to share this podcast with you. We hope you enjoy this message. I don't, I don't have, you know, I'm not real perceptive and stuff, but I kind of think God has a theme this morning. You guys kind of get that? It's awesome. Teresa, uh, Burnett's got something she wanted to add. I love what God's doing. It, You know, it's amazing because this all goes along with my message. And uh, I'm, I'm always amazed how intercession, worship, and everything he does in the service kind of in a message just kind of ties all that stuff together. I'm just amazed at it. I just kind of want to share something. When we were worshiping, um, and and all the songs were on Jesus. I mean, it was everything was Jesus today. And I just kept seeing um, the power in the name of Jesus. It was like, you know, you could look at a word and it's like overcoming. It's the power that's in it. And I just kept seeing the power power in his name and I just started declaring it over all the kids grandkids every you know prodigals everything but the thing is the Lord started going you remember what I just told you you know remember remember because when you remember then you can see and you can hear and it all comes around and so I started seeing that as the power of the name of Jesus was just fallen on all of these wands there was memory they were remembering. I don't care if it was a little snippet. I don't care if it was, uh, you know, whatever. But they had a memory. And I said, Lord, I just declared, you know, just like the prodigal, wake up, come to your senses. Because he had memory. That's what happened. He came to his senses. And I just seen the Lord. And it was like, declare that over them. And so I started declaring that over there. But I'm telling you, God is on the move for something. And I'll tell you, for me, it's like, um, I'm not, you know, what Trim was saying, the expectation, it's big. I mean, for all the years of things to happen, to turn around, how's all that going to happen? How can you do that, God? But he is, and it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be good. But I just seen that, and I just wanted to share that because there was something so powerful in our declaring the name of Jesus, and it wasn't just for here. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I want to just confirm what Teresa was sharing because the whole time during worship today, the whole time, God was reminding me of all these miracles he's done for me. And I was sitting there the whole time worshiping and I knew he was doing it for me, but I, what you were praying, God was doing because I've never had a time like that. I mean, there were things in my life that are big milestones that are easy to remember. He was bringing up miracles and things that I have forgotten about. It was like, whoa. And I could tell the whole time that expectation, but I just want to confirm that he's doing it and it's not just over us. You know what? Uh, we had a, we had a, this is wild. While we were out in uh, Reading at the Leadership Advance, conference i think it was back in november i don't know if it was this i don't think it was this time in april but I, but anyway uh teresa got a prophetic word and i and uh, the uh the word was uh and they didn't know anything about us they go it looks like it's emptying out right now 
but it's God saying, I'm enlarging the walls, get ready. Because it's going to fill up. And I was like, they have no clue what's been going on. So I'm looking around all these empty seats. I'm thinking, prodigals are getting ready to come home. You know, God's making room. And the thing is, he's worked with us. Because what's, you know, you, you know the, the father, when the prodigal son came home, didn't have this thing of, well, I hope you learned your lesson this time. Are you staying? He didn't have that kind of attitude. He ran and welcomed them with open arms, bring the best robe, put the ring on his finger, and put, put the sandals on his feet. It was like, welcome home. Welcome home. And God's had to work with us because you know what? When you, when you pour your life into somebody and then they go, Psh, and they turn their back on the Lord, and it's like, what in the world? He has to deal with us all. And I, I don't know if he had, he might have had to deal with that father before the prodigal son ever came home. He might have had to deal with, you know, it's like, I just gave half my inheritance to that boy. And I know he's not invested in it with Edward Jones. You know? And it's like, what a waste. So, but there, and I, he had to be, he was human. He had to go through that process. I just, I can't imagine him just saying, oh, the minute I see him, I'm just going to run and embrace him. I think he had to work through some stuff, you know, like I'm going to knock his head when he comes back. You know, I mean, it's just reality is that. But then he comes to the point it was like, there's forgiveness and you work through that stuff, and when the prodigals come home, we need to run and get the best robe, and we need to put a ring on their finger, and we need to put sandals on their feet and say, welcome home. Because there's, there, that remembrance thing is powerful, you know? Because somehow he woke up and the pig pen goes, what am I doing here? And the memories came back. My father's servants eat better than this. What am I doing here? You know, I believe God's doing that type of stuff. Well, before I get started on my, <laughs> we've already had messages today. You guys realize that? Whew, I love Jesus. This is, this is fun. This type of stuff's fun. Well, before we, before we get started, I, I'm just really uh, excited that my honey's coming home today. <laughs> and uh, ha have you guys been watching any of this stuff on Facebook? The videos and, and stuff. Did you guys see her eating a bug? Did you guys see that? You know, Nathan was holding his out, but Teresa was going. You know, had it in her teeth. I noticed that big drumstick ice cream that was in their other hand to wash it down with. But I thought, wow, how fortunate that they went during this month to be able to do that, because I, th I think that was a June bug special. <laughs> I did, I did, uh, I, I was up all night thinking on this. <laughs> I did, you know, somebody asked, said, don't they eat dogs over there? And I said, yeah, I don't, we haven't, I think they do, but it's, we haven't talked about that, but I, they do have one delicacy over there. They take uh, they take a rabbit and they, uh, they roll it in insects and then, you know, roast it. 
It's called Bugs Bunny. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Jesus, please come back. <clears throat> well. Okay. Now the word. Uh, I've been thinking... I've been thinking a lot on, I love uh, David and King Saul. I don't like King Saul a whole lot, but, you know. But I love, the, I love David's life. I love the lessons that comes out of his life and uh, just all of that. So I was, I've been studying that, and I kind of want to share on some and hit some points out of David's life that I think pertain to us where we're at. Um, first, first Samuel 9 is uh, Saul and the donkeys, his dad's donkeys are lost and he can't find them. You got to think about this. <laughs> Saul spends three days looking for these donkeys and finally, you know, he goes to Samuel. You guys know the story. And uh, finally say, hey, your dad's worried. He's, he's found the donkeys on his own, but he's worried about you. And so, so chapter 9 in First Samuel is Saul and he can't find these lost donkeys. This, this ends up being a theme in his life. <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 10, Saul gets anointed king. And Saul gets picked as king, and it says, uh, you know, the people are like, wow, look at him. He's a head taller than anybody else in the nation of Israel. He's handsome. He's what, it's, what their, their desire with their eyes is what Saul is. He looks good. It's like, this guy looks like a good candidate for our first king. And I want to tell you something, that whenever you desire something so much with your eyes, it can look really good, but it can turn out to be a pain. And I'm thinking Israel, Saul ended up reigning for 40 years. That's how, and he was not really a great king, but you would think the Israelites would learn that when we desired what we wanted with our own eyes and picked our own choice, we had to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. And so here they pick a king, and God's, God puts it before him because he's saying, they've rejected me from being king over them, so here's what they want. I'm giving them what their eyes say. Yes, this is a good choice. And he was a king for 40 years. Anyways, then... So Saul gets anointed king. First Samuel 13, Saul doesn't wait for Samuel before battle, and, and he sacrifices unlawfully before the Lord. So right here on his first time, you see that he's got some patience, like Saul's starting to take things into his own hands. First Samuel 15, Saul disobeys God's command, and he spares King Agag after God told him to kill every person, man, woman, child, animals, everything. Don't take a thing from the Amalekites. You know, you need to kill them all. But he spares the king. And so God says, because, uh, so God rejects him from being king. And, and Samuel tells him, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offering as he does just in obeying him. And so God was after a heart that would obey him. So since God's reje rejected Samuel, in chapter 16, we see David's anointed by Samuel while he's still a shepherd. Now, I want to think, here's where I, 
David's a shepherd. He's just out in the field. And I don't think he had a clue, you know. I don't think he was out in the field going, you know, I really would like to be king someday, you know, and I'm stuck with these sheep. I don't think he had that. I think he was – I think – he, some of the Psalms he wrote was while he was being a shepherd out there with those sheep. I think he was communing with the Lord. I think he was doing the best he could do to take care of those sheep. And I think he was just simple, simple. I think he had a simple, uh, single focus on the Lord. And, and so God was watching over that. Chapter 17, David kills Goliath. Here's what I think is cool. Goliath wasn't his first challenge. Now let's talk a little bit about Goliath and the Israelite army. They were trembling. He, you know, it said for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath came out every single morning and every single night and taunted them. And it says in the Bible that he was, he was nine foot, nine inches tall. I don't know, but that's bigger than LeBron James. I mean, that's pretty tall. Nine foot, nine inches. It's like, Wow. But I think as the days went on, he became bigger and bigger and bigger in Israel's eyes. When you have a fear that is taunting you in your face, it somehow seems to enlarge and get bigger over time. Especially if that thing, Marty, is there all the time. It can get larger and larger and larger until it paralyzes you. And the army of Israel was paralyzed. They would like, have you seen this thing that comes out? You know, that he comes out and taunts our armies, you know, morning and night. This is when David goes to visit. He's, he's just hauling over some bread and cheese. You know, his dad says, hey, take these to your brother. Take a skin of wine to their commander and, and find out how they're doing over there. Find out how the battle's going. They haven't battled yet. <clears throat> they go, they line up, you know, and then they run back to their tents because Goliath comes out. And so this is going on. Well, David comes up. You guys know the story about him killing Goliath, you know, and confronting that thing. The thing that's amazing to me is like his whole attitude was like, who the, David's not been in this. And so he's not had the fear magnifying this in his mind how big Goliath is and how awful it would be to have to, to fight him. And so David comes in and the first time he hears this, he says, who does this guy think he is? He's defying the armies of the living God. And he keeps saying that, you know, and they're like, oh, he's, he's the mighty warrior. He's, he, you don't know how big this thing is. It's been beating us up for 40 days and 40 nights. And David goes, well, who does he? Yeah, but he's defying God in heaven. <clears throat> David's got the right perspective because he's been communing with the Lord while he's been out in the field with the sheep. He's got a pure heart before the Lord. And so, and so he keeps saying that, and his brothers get mad at him. Instead of saying, his brother goes, I, you're just insolent. You just came out to see the battle, didn't you, David? You're just out here to harass us. You're just out here to You know how brothers are. And David goes, what have I done? <laughs> David's just having a normal reaction to something, some situation, some standing up and saying, your God is nothing. That's what Goliath was saying. 
Your God is nothing. I'm a lot bigger than him. I can beat anything he sends my way. That's really what was being said. And David goes, I don't think so, son. David had already defeated. So David says, I'll go out out and, and, you know, David had already defeated the lion and the bear, it said. Because he told Saul, Saul, he said, uh, I've already defeated the lion and the bear. When they came to get the sheep, I chased after them, grabbed them by the beard. That's why you don't have beards. Grabbed them by the beard and got the sheep back away from him and killed them. So here's, so David's, re, it's just like you guys talked about history. David's reviewing his history with the Lord and saying, he defeated this enemy in my life. He defeated this enemy in my life and gave me victory. He'll do the same with this. I think what we need to do, you know, one of the things, um, copiers and printers have reduction and enlargement features on them where you can blow something up or you can reduce it down. And I think we need to take the present thing that is staring at you that the enemy has enlarged, our fears have enlarged, and say, it's time to reduce you down to one of my past victories. You're no bigger than the lion and the bear. And what God did there, he will do again with this guy. And you know what it is? It is so I just, I was seeing that with David and I thought, man. We, you know, I read a, uh, a devotional this morning, Christine Kane's devotional, Teresa had gotten me first year, and she just said, and it was, this was funny, I opened it up, and here it was about uh, things being too big, you know, not, too, not so big, and she said, the devil is still small enough to fit under my feet, but God is so big, he holds the universe in his hands. We need to keep that kind of perspective. Well, no matter what comes our way. And I'm thinking, you know, you used to say, uh, liar, with these lies that come at you, liar, liar, pants on fire. I thought, liar, liar, throw you in the lake of fire. That's more scriptural. <laughs> I'm really hoping when it comes time at the end, when the devil and, and the false prophet and all them get thrown in the lake of fire, I really hope we get a watch. Because I want, is it God, God, is it okay to cheer? I want to jump up and down and shout and dance when that happens. You guys going to join me or? (laughs) All right. All right. I think it'll be okay. Anyway, I just felt, I, I think that's a key that, you know, to resize the challenge that you're facing now and put it in the same frame as past victories that God has given you because he does repeat himself that if he's given you victory over something in the past he'll do it again anyway so you guys know the great victory that he had and and I love that you guys shared about uh, David putting on you know Saul's armor people will try to outfit you with what they think will be something for your victory but it isn't. It's what God has already done and worked in you. David already had what he needed. He didn't need to have extra stuff put on him. He already had what he, and what he had was his relationship, his history with God while he was doing sheep. You know, I don't, he probably, 
practiced his sling throwing with that that'd be one way to get a the attention of a lion running off with a you just whop him in the butt or hit him in the head with a sling a rock at him he's probably going to turn around and go what did you just do you know so david had some practice that's my opinion that's not in scripture doesn't god give you time to practice receiving victories small things a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger as you walk with him. You see him overcome obstacle after obstacle. It's because he builds your faith and he builds your head. That's why it's a test amoni. Because you can declare God is faithful. He's been faithful here, 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 here. I know. I, I, we've done that in our lives. And it works. Okay. Uh, after after this big victory, you know, David gets put into Saul's service full-time now. And uh, so 18 through 22, those two those chapters, Saul, but Saul begins to resent David. And he begins to get jealous because uh, as he's coming in from the armies, you know, they're singing, Saul's killed his thousands, but David's killed his ten thousands. And it might not be true. But Saul was jealous. He was insecure. He wanted to be the man in charge. He wanted to be uh, everyone that people had, uh, looked up to and adored. There's another key there. I think David had a humble spirit. David wasn't out making a name for himself. He wasn't out going, well, I hope they notice. Yeah, hey, I'm the one that killed Goliath. You know, he didn't have that patch on his uh shirt that said you know goliath killer club you know founder you know so he didn't he didn't have that so that everybody knew i wanted to know who i am you know because i've really done some big stuff saul on the other hand was one of those guys of like i've done some big stuff and i want everybody to know about it and so david had humility and so god could use him Anyway, so Saul gets to, uh, he begins to uh, persecute David, throws a couple of spears at him, tries to pin him to the wall, you know, just minor stuff like that. And uh, another reason that you know David's got humility is because uh, Saul, (laughs) Saul wasn't really the type of family you'd want to marry into. You know, his whole view on giving offering his oldest daughter to David in marriage was that she'll be a snare to him. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of person she was, but you don't want to marry into some family where the father-in-law goes, she'll be a snare to you. Why don't you marry her? (laughs) Anyway, David though is like not going to. And so Saul gives her somebody else. Well then the second daughter, you know, the younger one, uh, Michael, you know, he's going to offer her. And David goes, they said, look, tell, tell David, I'd really be delighted for him to become my son-in-law. And David says to the messengers, who do you think I am? I'm, I'm a shepherd boy. I don't come from a wealthy family. I, I don't have any dowry money. I don't have anything of worth to make it worthy for me to marry into the king's family, to be the king's son-in-law. That's humility. You know, that's humility. And so, and Saul's doing, Saul has totally 
impure motives. He's doing all of this to cause David to fall, stumble, because he sees David as a threat. And so uh, he tells David what he wants for the dowry, and David doubles it, you know, and goes out and, and presents it. And Saul was even more afraid of him. Why? Because he knew, he thought David, he says, I just want 104 skins from the Philistines. <laughs> How would you like to have been born a Philistine? <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> so David goes out and gets 200 of them. And, um, and Saul, it said Saul was more afraid. It's because if he went up against the enemies of Israel risked his life, and God spared him. So Saul knew God is on his side, and I'm not sure, and he's, and he's already rejected me. So that just increased all of that persecution. So David, here, you know what? There's, there's favor that God puts. There's, there's two ways to look at favor that God puts on your life. God's favor was on David to be anointed king as a shepherd. He, he chose him. He said, I've found, a, I've found someone who will do all my will. He will. His heart will be totally mine. And so God puts his favor and calls him to be king. Favor also means there's a reason that God's putting his favor on you. We, we in America like to go, God's put his favor on me. I've got super nice car. I got so much money in the bank I don't know what to do with. I got a job. It's incredible. I want to work three days a week and they pay me for seven. You know, it's like that we would consider that that's favor. God's favor looks a little different. God's favor is that training that I've got you for a purpose and I want to, um, I'm, I'm going to use you and I'm going to, I'm going to train you to move into the position that I'm calling you to be in. And so he began training David. And so part of the training was, you know, David, even Goliath was part of the training. He saw that God was able to kill giants, not just animals, but giants. And then um, David's also being trained by the rejection and suspicion of Saul. God can take anything in your life and cause it to come about for good. And I believe David was learning some lessons. David had all the questions we would have when he's running from Saul. You know, because David had a special relationship with the, the son Jonathan. And they, they were just like knit in the spirit together as friends and brothers and so David's saying, so Jonathan is, is lined up with the purposes of God. And so Jonathan comes and, and uh, David's calling him saying, one of the times he's escaped, and he says, what have I done? What, why is in the world? Have you ever had situations that happen to you and you go, God, why is this happening? I've not, I've not done anything to deserve this. I've not, I've not uh, dissed that person. I've not said bad things about them. But why, why is this going on? And God's using it to, one, build some character in, in David, but also, I believe, he was uh, putting compassion in David. David, out of this, was going to learn compassion for the poor, the disenfranchised, 
and he was going to want, there's nothing makes you want justice so much for others when you, and unless you've had injustice so much in your life, David experienced so much injustice. He did not deserve. And when he became King, he had said he was a, he brought justice for all his people. Where did that come from? It came from David suffering so much injustice that he did not deserve. David brought justice even for the nations and peoples that they had conquered. That was paying tribute. He said he he brought justice to all his people. God knows how to birth out of us the fruit and the attributes that he wants us moving in in the future. And it's part of the, it's part of those trials and tests that you go through. It's like, God, you know, if, if you've come out of a bad situation in your past, God has delivered you, set you free. You've got compassion for others that are in that same situation. You know what? God uses all things for good. He was doing that for David. So, uh, chapter 23 here we're back to it. Remember in chapter 9, Saul uh, can't find the donkeys? 1 Samuel 23. I want to read these verses. David, David's already run and escaped, you know, and is having to flee Saul all the time. He says, So David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness, remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. Saul still can't find anything. He's looking for him every day. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Don't you think that's a little funny? Saul's searching for him every day and can't find him. Jonathan goes, eh, i got to get a message to David. Goes out and goes right to him. Strengthens him in the Lord. Says, hey, my dad will never find you. I... I think it was God's mercy that Saul wasn't born in the 20th century because he could never find his car keys. <laughs> this guy can't find nothing. It's like he's looking all the time, you know. And when one point they come up and they say, hey, David's hiding out here in the wilderness. They go, go and search and make certain where he's at. And I'll turn up every rock and stone looking for him. I hear he's really crafty. Jonathan can still go to David anytime he wants to, you know, but it's because God's favor was on David and it protected David and it blinded Saul to being able to find David. You can have the same thing in your life. There's nothing that comes against you that God doesn't filter out. It's what was, it was what was read this morning. God filters that out so that what needs to find you, finds you. And what doesn't, doesn't. I thought that was... Saw David, David felt chased. He felt like, I'm going to lose my life any minute. But it caused him to cling to the Lord. It caused him to go after the Lord even more and say... God, I need your protection. I've not, I've not done anything. And how many times have we had questions of like, I don't understand why this is happening to me. But Saul never could find him. David found him twice. Found him once in a cave. 
cut off his robe just to let him know that had to be a pleasant experience. Said he went, someone went in to relieve himself, and David's in the cape. I was like, and the men, and the men, I can understand the men. Kill him, David, kill him. <laughs> God's put him in your hands. God was testing the integrity in David's heart. Are you going to move on your own because of your present circumstance? Are you going to raise your hand to deliver yourself, or are you going to let me do it? When I've put that guy in office, I can take him out. And I and and David, David was even sorry he cut the robe, just the corner. And so the second time, same thing again. Here's Saul coming out for David, and you know Saul's repentance is never is not something you can count on. He repents all the time. I'm sorry, David. I'll never. And two weeks later, he's out looking for him, trying to kill him again. So you can't trust this guy. But Saul's asleep in a camp, everybody around him. David goes down, him and uh, uh, I think it was Ashel, and they get the water jug and the spear that's right by Saul's head, go up and holler. And uh, it, was, it was Abner's job to guard the king. And so he did deserve a death sentence that he did not. It's like Secret Service sleeping while somebody comes to assassinate our president and he walks right in, you know. So... God spared David. David spared Saul's life again because the soldier that went with David said, I can end this right now. One hit with the spear and I can pin him to the ground. And David goes, nope, no. God will deliver. God's going to remove him someday. Either he'll die in battle or something, but God will take care of it. God put him in office. God can take him out. What was God? What was what was happening through and all of that? David's learning integrity, and that God will take care of me. I don't have to lift my own hand to battle if God's not telling me to. And so, this is the reason the Lord could say, "I found a man who will do all my will. I found someone that's a man after my own heart." I love that because I look at that and I go, God, I want to be that type of person that trusts you to be my defense. I want to be that type of person that will not lift my hand in my own ability of what I want with my eyes. I will let you provide for me. I'll let you defend me. I'll let you bring about your purpose and plan in my life. I won't manipulate. I won't. And I will, I will love justice. Anyway, God was working all of that in David. And he knew David would be a man that would follow everything he had in his heart. <clears throat> That's, this is what I wanted you to see. This is favor on David's life. Even though David's having his hardship, that's favor on his life from the Lord. David has one last challenge. Um, you know, um, Philistines come out to do battle. Saul goes up. Um, David's with, he has defected, you know, that by this time to the Philistines, you know, and, uh, but they, they don't trust him. And so um, they make him go back to Ziklag, which had been given to him uh, by the Philistines. When they get back there, David's got 600 men with him by this time. When they go back there, the whole town's burned. Everything's torched. And all of their livestock, belongings, wives, children, 
friends, everybody has been has been taken away by the Amalekites. They're they're gone, and so after all this struggle, it's like he's crushed, and it's like God, I don't know how much more we can take. And the men couldn't take any more, and they talked about about had it following David. We've been running all our lives, you know, and they were talking about stoning him, you know, and just ending the thing. David had lost his everything. He lost everything. All they had was what they, the shirt on their back. So David lost everything at this point. This is the most, this is the toughest challenge. And there'll come a point, there comes a point when we've had, God, I don't think I can take any more than this. But God was looking for something, even in this. And the men were going to stone him. So it was like, here I am standing all alone. I don't even have 600 men with me anymore. They want to kill me. Flossed everything. And the key is, says David strengthened himself in the Lord. That's what God was looking for. Strengthening yourself in the Lord is looking at your history, reviewing what he's done in the past, and I don't know how he strengthened himself in the Lord. I don't know if it was like, you killed the lion, you killed the bear, delivered me, you killed Goliath, you saved me from the hand of Saul all these years. I think it was 10 years that he had to escape Saul. 10 years. He was anointed king by Samuel back when he was a shepherd. That seems like a dream long gone. Will that ever come about? Now my own, these own men want to kill me. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And I think there comes a point when you hit such crisis that you feel like, God, I can't go on from here, that you call and say, I don't understand this, but I know you're good. I know you're good. I know you're faithful. I know you're truthful. And I know you love me. And there comes a point that it's just like all out there. And then God, that's, I believe the Lord was going, oh, I was looking for that. I knew that was in you to be, to love me like that and to be committed to me. Because the, what David couldn't see was Ziklag, just on the other side of Ziklag was the kingdom just on the other side of that worst trial he could imagine, was he was going to get the kingdom. They were in the last days of Saul's reign. And when he went after the Amalekites, I bet they went after him with a vengeance. When you've had something that has robbed you of every single thing you've loved, you go after it with a vengeance. But David even asked about that. Should I pursue these guys that have taken everything I love? And he said, yes. Good. Will I recover it? He said, you will overtake them and recover everything. So, and David did. There wasn't one thing of theirs lost. Not one thing. They got everything back. Saul gets killed in the bat that battle that's going on, and David begins the process of becoming king. We've all had situations to where you have 
hit the end and felt like, God, I can't take any more. But I believe you're enough. I believe you're the one that is in charge of my life. And like Marty said, I don't, I don't understand. I got, I got a file folder of the mysteries of God. I don't understand this stuff by putting it in a file. But one thing that never changes is I love you. I know you love me and I know you're true and that you're good and that justice always has to come with you, no matter what I'm looking at. Always does. And I believe when God sees that, the kingdom is just on the other side. The promise is coming to pass or just on the other side. He wants our hearts to be so committed, so sold on him. I don't have anything else. If I lose everything, I've got Jesus. That's for eternity. That's for eternity. And I've got a history. We've all got a history with him. That he's been good to us. He's healed us. He's delivered us. He has set us free from bondages. He set us free from chains. He set us free from mindsets that kept us from uh, functioning properly and believe in him like we wanted to. He's done all that type of stuff for us. We've seen him move all over the place. We've been through some battles in this church. Devastating battles. But the Lord has brought us out of every single one of them. And he's brought us into a place where David said of wide fulfillment. And I believe that, you know what? You ever come through seasons that have been tough? And when you're past and God's blessing is on those things, you look back and go, oh, yeah, that was was just a small season. They're not as big. When you look back on them, it's like, oh, yeah, that was, that was some stuff. But God was faithful. He brought us through all that. God uses whatever you come through to set others free. Paul said, Paul said that the comfort with, that we are comforted by is the comfort that we can comfort others in their affliction. <clears throat> and the Lord... There's nothing that's lost in our lives. There's nothing that he does is just like, well, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of let you go through that, but I didn't really have a purpose in it. That's, that's, that just doesn't happen with him. I'm going to close, but I had... <clears throat> I'll look and see if I got anything else written down here. (sighs) David wouldn't have made it through all the persecution from Saul if he hadn't first had a heart and passion for God. Favor of God on David turned out to be David's life in God's hands to be molded, cared for, and shaped into a man after God's own heart that will do all my will. I believe all the molding and shaping that God has done in our lives through all these situations that we've all individually gone through and corporately as a church is because he's made us so that we be faithful in the harvest, faithful that he, to those he brings in among us to see him do the same thing with them. I'm, I'm excited about 
um, I mean, I'm obviously thrilled he's healing me of cancer. But I'm so going to celebrate when I get that clean report of, like, you are cancer-free. And I am so ready to go after that demonic thing of cancer in other people's lives and see that put under our feet. You know, it just, it just, with a vengeance. Whatever God has delivered you out of, you have the authority to see him do that same for others. You just do. The devil likes to lie to you and tell you you don't. But you do. Doesn't change the fact. He can tell me all day long that my driver's license is invalid. Big deal. I'm getting in the car and driving anyway because my my uh, thing in my billfold says it is. And that may be something practical, but some of the things he lies to us about, oh my gosh. We just do not need to give him the time of day. Or maybe just time to leave. Out of here, buddy. If you guys want to stand up, I'm going to pray for you. <clears throat> Father, I want to thank you for how faithful you have been to every single one of us in here. God, we could go on and on and on reviewing our histories. And you delivered here. You met here. This was a miracle. You met this need here. God, how could we ever thank you enough? Lord, I pray that we never lose sight of what you've done in our past. God, the good things you've done in our past, Father, and fill us with expectation that you're going to do even more in the future. Father, all this mind shift change you're bringing, God, we receive it. We want to receive your work in us. We want to be like David, that you can say of us, I have found a people who will do all my will. They have a heart after me. That's what we want to be. God, I believe that's what we are. We are those people. So, Father, you want to pour out here in this region? Do it through us. You want to pour out in this region? Do it through the body of Christ in this region. All the churches. God, flood our church, the churches in this area, God, with prodigals and the lost. And those who you have touched and those you've called and those you've delivered that come in to be a part of your body. Lord, I pray you bless your people. We continue to ask you, God, that you would continue with a smooth flight for our loved ones coming home. And Lord, that safe travel up there to get them and back. And God, we just, we just thank you so much for your goodness and your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Hey, we need to announce um, we're we're on a church sabbatical for our Wednesday night services, <clears throat> so we won't have any Wednesday night services this week uh, until I think through the 18th of July. Till the 18th, the 18th of July will be the next Wednesday that we meet. So give you a little bit of summer break. So God bless you guys.
Thank you for listening to this message. Jesus.